Hello, and welcome to the Fork in the Road podcast. I'm your host, Kathy Guzman-Galloway, and on this season two, we're talking to experts who help us move past this fork in the road and into the next phase of our journey. On this episode, I'm spending time with Shatisha Stevens about planning a financial exit from your nine to five. I know this topic is a hot button and she gives us so much to think about and really some important action items. We cover what a financial plan looks like, getting intimate with your money, dealing with financial trauma. Yes, it is a thing. Which people to tap into for help and giving yourself a lot of grace. Yes, thinking and planning around money requires a lot of grace. So I hope this conversation helps you. Thank you so much for being with me today, Shatisha. I'm excited to get to talking about this super important topic that I hear so many questions about when it comes to creating a financial plan. Obviously, a lot of our listeners are eager and excited to think about the next chapter in their life, but the idea of their finances being up in the air creates a lot of stress and a lot of concern for so many, myself included, when I started on my journey. So I know your comments here are going to be super valuable. Before we jump into anything, would love for you to start with, tell us a little bit about you and about your company and maybe your story on how you got to be an expert on all things financial matters. Yes. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kathy, for having me as a guest participant in your podcast. Really looking forward to the discussion today. My name is Shatisha Stevens. I am the CEO and founder of Financial Matters. I started this company in 2018 after kind of doing a lot of volunteer work in the space and also helping a lot of families and friends with just general money management, how to create a budget, how to increase your credit score, how to get out of debt. And I've always had a passion for it. So it was something that I was just like, okay, like I want to help other people. I want to put, you know, helpful content, whether that's tips and other things out there so that people can use. So that's kind of, you know, how I birthed Financial Matters. A lot of it came from honestly growing up, right? I grew up raised by my grandmother. We, you know, were on public assistance. And I remember just struggling. Like I always tell people I was poor first, then black, right? So I knew what it meant not to have any money. Definitely saw my grandmother make a lot of sacrifices to make sure that my sister and I had what we needed. But then that also made made us very limited in what we were able to have exposure to, what we could afford. So I had a job ever since I was 14. And I basically just from then was really interested in financial matters and really trying to become better in that area. So I was the first to go to college in my family. Definitely, like I said, had a job since I was 14 and just grew like an interest in it. I thought I wanted to be a certified financial planner and help people who already had money make more money. But then once I saw that the middle class and the underprivileged were underserved, I was like, this is where I need to be, right? This is where the information needs to be cascaded. We need to be getting in front of students and making this information more proactive instead of as adults kind of reactive and changing, you know, our bad behaviors, financial behaviors. Yeah. And tell me a bit about how, what your company offers and how you work in the industry. Yeah, absolutely. So I like to think of my company as a consulting and education company. So one, I've consulted in the past with organizations and companies, whether that's helping them with an existing financial literacy program that they have, right? So kind of giving them 
some ideas on how they can survey their folks, different things that they could bring to the program. And then also from an organizational perspective, actually doing workshops for employees. So I've worked with Johnson & Johnson, Spotify, other companies where, again, they have an audience, whether it's their Black resource group, whether it's their, you know, millennial group, where they're like, come talk to us about all things finances. What should we be doing? What should we be looking out for? How do we plan for our future? And then I also have that one-on-one coaching, right? So I offer one-to-one coaching. I have an accountability group, and I'm also going to be launching a course this year where it could be self-paced and people can just go through various financial topics and kind of learn, you know, all things budgeting, all things debt management, all things, you know, how to use credit effectively, et cetera. So, yeah. Mm, Fantastic. Yeah. A lot of great ways to interact with you. So let's jump into the topic, you know, that our audience is coming into this show, feeling that Mm -hmm. they're this moment in their career, they're stuck in a fork in the road. They're trying to figure out what comes next in the development of my career. And one of the topics that comes up a lot, as it should, as it did for me, was this idea of managing your finances and trying to figure out what does this actually look like when I get out of here? And I think the most challenging part about that, as it was for me at the time leaving PepsiCo, is that I was making good money, right? Mm -hmm. I'm already at a salary that feels good, that allows Mm -hmm. me to me and my family enables us to live the life that we hope to live. Mm. And so that puts even more stress. Now, obviously for some who are listening, maybe they're not at the place that they want to be financially, but at the very least, this job is paying the bills. Exactly. there is a concern that I'm going to jump ship and I'm not going to be able to do that. Talk to me about why creating a plan is so valuable and maybe even tell me, like, what do we mean by a plan? Because I could just come up with a budget. Like, is that enough? Like, no. why is it important? And what is a plan when we say plan? Absolutely. So I think anybody looking to leave their nine to five or creating some sort of exit strategy needs a financial plan, right? And basically, that is having a plan for your money that is outside of money management, right? So that is one, understanding what you need monthly to live off of, right? What is that number in terms of maintaining your lifestyle? You need to know what that is. The second thing is really understanding basically like what are your fixed expenses? If you had no income coming in, what would you have to pay? Your mortgage, your car note, your credit cards, the things that you know are going to be coming in every month, right? And then I think a lot of that is tied to what do you want what are your priorities and what do you want your lifestyle to be, right? Because you have some people who want to leave their nine to five because they don't want to trade time for money. They don't want to, they want to have more flexibility and freedom. They want to travel more. They want to live life on terms. So I think understanding that will help you develop the action steps and the plan to make that happen, right? So I think it's definitely a lot of like asking yourself these various questions. Again, you know, what that number is that you need to live off of. What is that fixed expense number? What does financial freedom look like for you? And then you could start to think about what assets and or investments I'm going to need to help create and build that wealth strategy that's going to allow me to leave my, my nine to five. Because we all know Unless you're someone who has an enormous amount of money saved, you can't just rip the Band-Aid off like that, right? It takes planning. 
one year. I've seen people do it in two years, three to five years, seven to 10 years. You really have to get realistic with that, right? So I always say for me, I don't want to work until I'm 65. I want to stay in corporate America until I'm 45, the latest. If I can leave by 40, that's I'm 37 now, that's three years. What do I need to do to make that happen, right? So I'm always asking myself that when I'm looking at my finances, and is my monthly expenses going down? Am I reducing my liabilities in terms of things that I owe? Because I ultimately, if I didn't have, like I said, income coming in, do I have enough assets and or money in the bank that I could pay my fixed expenses without being stressed out or having anxiety until, you know, my business starts to pick up? So what does that look like? Mm. You use the term that I want to touch on just for a little bit before we come yes. back to this topic, which was the term financial freedom. Yes. Tell me, what is financial freedom? What does that look like? Mm -hmm. And how do I start to think about that in the context of a financial plan? Yep. So I think financial freedom is different for different people, right? It is a term that's used in the industry that basically means overall flexibility. You're not living to paycheck to paycheck. You're not, you know, kind of robbing Peter to pay Paul. You have a clear plan of how your money is going to work for you. And ultimately, you're not living a lifestyle that's going to prevent you from basically having to work for the rest of your life, right? So financial freedom means like, if I could not take this job anymore, and I needed to walk away today, that is what I'm creating for myself. That is that financial freedom that I'm ultimately going to have. That's not going to tie me to any job because I have those things in place where I could say, you know, I can walk away from this and be okay. So I think, again, it's what you define for yourself because you have some people who say financial freedom is being at peace for me, right? Like, I don't want to be stressed with money. I don't want to have to worry about what bill I have to pay. I want to put everything on auto pay and let it just flow. Some people are saying, I want to just be able to book a flight whenever I want to and not have to worry about, oh, I have to wait until I get paid. Some people are saying, I want to have that option of not being able to work, right? I want to have this job as a secondary thing because... I want to make extra money, not because I have to. To me, I think the financial freedom aspect just relieves the pressure, right? It relieves that anxiety and stress around like, oh my gosh, like if I were to lose my job, I would be in complete chaos or I would not be able to keep my head above water. So it gives people things to think about to say like, what do I need? Like I need to create an emergency savings account, which has at least three to six months of my living expenses in there. So if I were to lose my job or if I needed to leave because my mental health is much more important, then I could sustain, you know, paying my fixed expenses for three to six months and not have to worry while I'm looking for another job, while I'm starting my business, while I'm ramping that up. And I still have that sense of peace, right, of knowing that things are being paid. So that's just an example of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it, it feels related and sort of an overlapping to what we're talking yes. about, creating a plan to leave the nine to five, because ultimately, yep. yes, we want to leave the nine to five. But in reality, we want to leave all the nine to fives. Yeah, <laughs> <Right>? all <laughs> yes. of them. Absolutely. Um, to, your, to your point, I'd love to spend my days volunteering at the pet shelter and going mm -hmm. to the hospital to care for little newborns and yes. right, like doing things that really make my heart sing yep. rather than working in any specific capacity. Right. Okay, so let's get into like, how do I do this? 
Yes. Step number one, and you've already started to kind of give us yep. clues about what this looks like, but let's get deep into step number one. First thing I got to do. What is yeah, that? Yeah, I think the first thing you should do is one, understand what your money is, is doing, right? I feel like a lot of the people are not in control of their money, which means that their money is telling them what to do, right? So once you are in control of your money, you are able to, in my opinion, to know exactly where every dollar is going, right? You can account for every dollar. And then once you identify that, you can ask yourself, do I have a spend too much problem? Do I have a not make enough money problem? Do I have a too much debt problem? And then you can really figure out what you would want to tackle from that, right? Because I think in creating any type of plan, you have to have disposable income. You cannot invest and you cannot save if you don't have disposable income. Well, how do I get disposable income? That's by reducing your spending and overall your expenses, right? So what are my must-haves, my necessities in terms of spending money and really like making that sacrifice? Because a lot of people want that end goal, but they don't want to compromise or sacrifice to get there. And it's like, well, one, it's not going to happen overnight. Two, you have to put in the work, right? Because if you don't create a plan for your money, how do you expect it to work for you? You're going to continue that same cycle of just paying bills, and just getting by rather than like, nope, I need to really save and invest a chunk of my money. So that way I'm creating, you know, my re- a return on investment. I have money that's growing and, you know, a money market savings account. And I can basically, those are the things that I can depend on for when I'm ready to kind of make that exit. I think the second thing is. Well, actually, before you get to the second thing, yep. question on the first, just to, yep. to go deeper on that for a moment. I wonder what your advice is for literally how to do that. So what does that look like? Does that mean I'm going to take a Saturday and I'm going to go look at my bank statements and I'm going to put them into an Excel spreadsheet or like, what should I literally do? Gotcha. If you're someone just starting out, right. And you're like, you know what? I want to get, you know, a handle on my money. What should I do? I always tell people, look at their bank statements, the last 30 days, categorize how you spent money, whether that was on food, whether that was on, you know, household products, what bills you were paying, because the bank statements are going to tell you where the money is going, right? Once you've kind of categorized that, then you can really understand like, okay, like I'm spending a lot on this one particular area. I think the second thing is creating a budget. I feel like a lot of people, especially as we get older, people think that the word budget is like childish. Like, why do I need a budget? I find that like, whether you call it a spending plan, whether you call it your balance sheet, whether you call it like, I don't care what you call it, but you need to have some sort of reference for how you're going to spend money. Otherwise, again, this is, you know, people get overdraft or they're like, wait, I just had a thousand dollars. How come I only have $200? They can't even recall what happened to the money. So I think that budget or X, whatever you want to call it, really defines what I should be doing with my money proactively, how I should be planning ahead, right? And really taking account for any, you know, things that are coming down a pipeline. Like I see a lot of people say like, I work hard, so I want to be able to buy myself nice things. And I'm like, okay, you can, you just plan for those things, right? And if you want to buy, I don't know, a $3,000 Chanel bag, well, maybe that looks like you putting $300 a month for X amount of months till you get to that $3,000 to buy that bag and not going to use your credit card because you're putting yourself in more debt. So it's those conscious and differences and financial behaviors that are really going to get you closer to your plan, right? And closer to 
that strategy. So I would say the first thing is look at your bank statements, see where the money is going Two, create a budget, a spending plan, a money management. And there's, you can do it paper and pen. You could do Excel. There's apps like Mint that will connect to your bank account and kind of create, and you can configure all sort of like budgets. Like I only want to spend $200 on food. And so it will track all your food spending and then flag for you, hey, you're about to go over, right? So mm-hmm. if you're someone who, you know, is in an electronic space, so there's a ton of different tools out there. I would just say implement the one that you feel is going to be best for you. And then you have to revisit that. You can't just create it one time and kind of leave it, right? So I like to say, I feel like finances are very intimate and it's something that you have to continuously spend time on. A lot of people don't have good relationships with money, which means that they don't want to look at it. They don't want to talk about it. They're very avoidant, which means that, well, how can I get better at something that I'm not facing head on, right? So really looking at your finances on a regular basis. So I get paid every two weeks. I'm looking at my finances every two weeks, right? To see what do I have to pay? How did I do last week? You know, the two weeks before in terms of what was paid, did anything unexpected come up? Like, you know, really having those conversations with myself to figure out and adjust as needed, right? Because you're going to have times where, oh, wow, I had a lot of money left this particular check because I probably paid things early or I got, you know, I worked overtime or got a bonus or something like that versus other weeks where I'm like, oh, this was really close, but I know, like I checked off everything that I needed to pay, right? So yeah, 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 I got that. Yeah, so really just establishing that routine and then yep. staying close to your finances at all exactly. times. Exactly. Okay. Yep. So now I have a good idea of where my money's going, how I'm spending my money. I'm setting up a process and a cadence yep. to make sure I stay in touch with my money. Almost 10 years ago, I left a corporate career that just wasn't giving me the professional or personal life that I wanted. I was burnt out, disengaged, and feeling sick and tired of having no control over my schedule and feeling like there were always limits on what I could accomplish. So I started a consulting business. I had no idea what was in store for me, but by taking that leap, I created a new path to professional success significantly more income, and a personal life with so much flexibility, family time, and lots of travel. And I don't think I'll ever look back. So many of you have heard my story and asked me if you should jump into consulting. It's not a simple yes or no, so I've created a short quiz to help you figure out if consulting is right for you. If you're wondering if consulting might be the next right step for you, go ahead and take two minutes to take the quiz at theclaritywizard.com forward slash quiz and discover if now is the right time to move from employee to entrepreneur. Second step is really to identify, I think there's three pillars, right? So if you have debt, I think that is definitely something to work on because I feel like debt is something that kind of prevents us from our goals in some sense. It depends on how you use it, right? I would feel like women and, you know, maybe our culture a lot have carry a lot of consumer debt, which is not necessarily good, right? Because we are, you know, buying all these things that don't hold value. And so now we have to pay that back over a long period of time. So if my money is going there, that means that I can't free it up to invest or to save. So I always tell, encourage people to look at your debt, 
And I'm not saying debt is bad, right? I think it's all in how you use it. And there's ways to use credit effectively and leverage it for the things that you want, especially even as, you know, whether you're an entrepreneur or someone that has a nine to five, there's ways to use it effectively, but you have to be cautious and careful with that. So I would say, you know, look at your debt. That's the second thing. And you can do that with just listing out all of the debt that you have. Who do I owe? What's the balance? What's the APR and or interest rate? And then you can get to that point of like, well, how fast do I want to pay this debt off? Do I want to pay it off in one year, two years, you know, three to five years? Really, that's like the next big pillar. And then you can start to think about building wealth because building wealth is the thing that's going to get you out of your nine to five, right? If you think about some of the celebrities, when people say, what's Beyonce's net worth? They're talking about the assets that Beyonce owns, right? So, and I feel like our culture and women in general, because men are all over this, they invest at a higher rate than women. And they also know what net worth is. And that's basically your assets minus your liabilities. What are the things that I own minus the things that I owe? And that gives you a number to say, this is what my net worth is. Am I living in a positive or I'm living in a negative? Because I often hear people say, oh, I make six figures. I make good money. Well, it depends on what you're doing with that money. Because I've also seen people make 30 and 40 and 50,000 and have higher net worth than someone making 100,000 because of how, what they're doing with their money, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And I love this phrase that you use, am I living in the positive or am I living in the negative? And that's really powerful because I agree with you, I think, culturally as women of color and then women in general, you know, we've tended to shy away from dollars, shy away from numbers in general, in any capacity. And that puts us at a disadvantage. Absolutely. Um, And I like this phrase because it really establishes and, and resets our minds to think about the real impact of your net worth, of the real impact of carrying debt or of having a financial plan is that you are really living in the negative yes. when you don't have that all pulled together. And that's mm-hmm. more than just a number at the bottom of the sheet. It truly yes. is an impact on your life holistically. And I, I remember kind of coming to this conclusion not all that long ago in our own finances, in our family, that It's not the kind of thing we talked about when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. I wasn't thinking about that when I was 25 years Mm -hmm. old and so much wasted time, honestly, right? Absolutely. We started to focus on that. So I love this idea. When I'm thinking about my net worth and taking my assets, subtracting my liabilities and getting to the final number, what happens when I do that and I get to like a horrible number? I'm like, wow, I'm negative whatever the number yep. is, 200,000 is my negative 200,000. Yep. And I feel horrible. This, yes. this makes me feel uncomfortable. It makes me feel sad. It makes me feel yep. like I'm just not going to get out of this. Like, yep. you know what? I never should have looked at. Why did you <laughs> tell me to look at my finances? Oh, I'm yeah. depressed. Like, oh yep. my gosh, what am I going to do? This number is overwhelming. Yep. How do I deal with these emotions so that I can move forward? Absolutely. I think the very first thing is to give yourself grace. One, you did what some people never get a chance to do because they just, one, don't know how to do it. They don't have the information. Two, they don't want to know that number. And I think when you know that number is when you can make a change. When you don't know that number, you continue the same behaviors and habits that got you there in the first place, right? So I would say the very first thing is to give yourself grace and know that 
there's no one size fit all approach when it comes to finances Two, just because you're off track or in the negative doesn't mean that you can't turn things around. That just gives you an opportunity to say, hey, these are the things that I get to fix and I get to adjust and change so that I'm making a difference. Right. And once you start to see that positive change, you're going to be like, wow, I was able to save 10,000. I could save 20,000. Oh, I was able to invest 5,000. I can invest 10,000. And you like, once that happens, you're going to be like, I never want to go back to where I was before. Right. So I definitely think that like information is key because information gives us like I said, the ability to change, right? It's that when you don't have the information, it's the unknown to me that makes it like, well, am I negative? Am I positive? I don't know, right? But when you know, that's when you could really, you know, make the change happen. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely agree. Uh, having information is power. Living in the dark doesn't service you in any way whatsoever. Yes. So I'm working on a plan. I've gotten a hold of what my Mm -hmm. net worth is. I'm getting closer to my finances. Are there people that I should consult with or talk to that could help me in this process? Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. So I would say if you're someone who do not like, do you feel like you don't have a good relationship with money? You've experienced financial trauma in the past because that is a real thing that people don't talk about. Pause right there. Tell me, what is that? Like, what is financial trauma? What does that look like? How do I know that I've been traumatized financially? So I would say financial trauma is anything associated with like having a bad experience with money. So one, you were in a relationship where somebody used money to control you. Two, you grew up in the household where, you know, you were told things like, I can't afford that, or I don't have money for those things, or you were deprived, you know, needs that were met from like a financial perspective, right? Three, I would say the next thing is probably like anxiety that you've developed around your finances, right? The beliefs that you've told yourself, I'm not good with money. I'm never going to have money. Sort of those negative, you know, I don't even want to call them affirmations, but connotations that you are holding on to, that is a form of financial trauma. And a lot of people don't know that those things exist because Again, they're not having like I find I find that and it's so frustrating that finances are like politics. People shy away from it. And they're like, nope, can't touch that topic. I can't. Right. And if you've grown up and you've seen so many like those are the things that you never discuss. And I'm like, why? Why can't we have open and honest conversations? I'm not saying, Kathy, tell me how much you make or let me tell you how much I make. But I'm saying, let's talk about like how you budget, what works for you, what best practices you could share versus what I could share. And that to me is a fruitful conversation because we're both learning and growing and taking away from it. Right. But again, you have people who are just like, no, I can't and I won't. And there's Um, communities where it's not taboo, right? I think the higher up in the income level that you go, oh, absolutely, the the wider that you go, the more that those conversations are being had and the information is flowing and being shared. Absolutely, and that certainly is a taboo in our community where hey, we don't have access to the information historically, but then on top of that, we're not encouraged to have the dialogue. At all. Painful. Yeah. I have so many clients tell me, you know, no one talked to me about saving credit, any of those things while I was growing up. I also hear a lot of people talk about my parents or my mom worked really hard for me to like go to college. So I saw the hard work, but I don't really see or understand 
all that went into that, right? No one talked to me about what that looked like, how, you know, to prepare myself for things like that. And then I think the next thing is when we think about our white counterparts, right? Their kids are born into having a college fund, having, you know, investment money already set aside for them where they don't have to take out student loans. They don't have to necessarily touch debt if they don't want to because they have access to money. And we don't have that at our luxury. So I just think, again, we are behind because we're not having those conversations proactively. Our kids are not getting introduced to that information until they're adults. And now they're already making bad choices and behavior. And now we got to correct those versus giving them the tools up front to say, hey, this is how you manage a credit card. This is how you reconcile a bank account. This is how you start investing now, right? Because there's so many apps where you can buy shares of a stock. So you like Nike? You want to buy Nikes? How about you invest in the Nike stock? You like Apple? How about you buy Apple stock? Like, let's start having those conversations with them so that they're like, wow, this is possible for me. I don't have to be an NBA player or a rapper or those things. I can actually pursue my dreams and still build wealth, right? And that's why my biggest, I think my audience is, I teach people how to build wealth while having a nine to five. Because to me, have trying to leave and become an entrepreneur and build wealth is too late. It's too late, right? So you have to start doing that early on so you could continue to do that because that is generational legacy and how you're going to be able to pass things on down. So like you pass things down to your daughter, Kathy, and then your daughter pass things down to her family and then it just keeps going, right? And right. I think that is such a beautiful thing. Yeah, no, I, I love that. So I interrupted you. We were talking Sorry. about, because we got into financial trauma, which was really important. That was a great conversation there, but we were talking about who are the people that can help me? I've figured yes. out my finances. I'm trying to come up with a plan. Who do I talk to yep. to help me through this? So there are um, financial coaches that will help with all things money management. I don't have a good relationship with money. I need to create a budget or a spending plan. I want to prepare for home ownership. I want to see if I'm ready. You know, I want to get out of debt. Financial coach. That is, there's so many in the industry. They're called like financial, um, certified financial educators. And yeah, but like you just reach out to them. A lot of them have like free discovery calls. You could talk about what it is that you want to address. Sometimes they create the budgets for you or they teach you how to do it. Usually the coaching, you can't just do it in one session. So you got to have at least three to five to really develop that you know, habit and check your progress. I would say the next thing, if you already have money and you're like, I don't know what to do with it, then you can start looking at talking to a financial advisor. Financial advisor will help you with all things life insurance, IRAs, brokerage accounts, right? So now I have a lump sum of money. I want to, you know, invest in some things. I, I want to see what is best for me and my family. That financial advisor is the next best thing. If you're someone who say, you know what, I know a little bit about investing. I want to kind of do this thing on my own. They have what you call robo investing, where there's algorithms. So basically like Ellie Vest is a really good one for women. And what that looks like is you decide how much you want to invest every month. You come up with goals, whether I want to save for my kid's college, I want to save for a second home, and they invest for you based on your risk tolerance, right? I don't have to meet with anybody. I just do this all on my own. And then you have the self-investing as well, where you can pick your own stocks, ETFs, mutual funds, crypto, NFT, you know, those sort of things, or Real estate is really huge as well. So I think that's another great asset to kind of add to your portfolio. Okay. 
all right, so I've got a plan. I've talked to a few people who are helping me make it robust and set to my goals. Yep. How do I think about this plan changing over time? Yep. So one, I think, like I said, budget, spending plans, those things you visit more frequently, right? So every two weeks, once a month, your net worth is something to me that you update on a quarterly basis. And then you could start to think about how those things could potentially change. So one, I'm having a child or I'm getting married. What does that mean for my finances? I'm buying a home. Those are really you know, three big decisions that is going to impact your finances, right? So then you could start to figure out a plan to address those things and adjust everything else that you have, right? Do I have to invest less or invest more now that I have this thing coming in? And all of that depends on the income you have coming in and then how you are managing that money, right? And I think ultimately the plan, depending on how soon you want to exit, that will change based on life choices, based on priorities, and based on things that, like I said, that could potentially come up, right? So let's take an example. If you're someone who says, you know, I'm, I have an extra strategy in three years, I'm out, right? But then you get pregnant. So what does that mean? Is that pushing me out another year, another two years? You know, what does that mean for my finances in terms of how my disposable income is going to change because now I need to prepare for this child that's coming into the world. How does that mean in terms of my assets? What accounts I want to set up for this child in terms of college funds and all that stuff. And I just think that it just shifts your thinking, but it gives you that flexibility to prepare for those things and adjust as you need to, rather than, you know, just allowing it to happen and not course correcting at all. Yeah. So let's say I've heard all this great advice and feedback you've given. I'm at the mm-hmm. end of this episode and I'm feeling nervous about this. I feel mm-hmm. in a certain kind of way about all this stuff you're <laughs> telling me. I feel, you know, I got to tackle this. I hear what you're saying. I agree mm-hmm. with you. I'm going to go and tackle it. But I feel nervous and uncomfortable and stressed about that. What are sort of your words of advice about my mindset and about my getting into this that feels uncomfortable, that can help me feel more at ease and have a little bit more confidence going into this process? I would definitely say create space for yourself, right? So one, allow yourself to be able to experience and have those emotions. Don't push them down. If you have someone that you can confide in and talk about those things openly, do that because those are real feelings. Just because they're about finances doesn't mean that they're taboo, right? So like I said, allow yourself to experience it, talk about it. And I'm going to keep saying this over and over again about giving yourself grace because we are human. We're not robots. We're not perfect. If you understand that, like things are going to happen, which might derail you from your plan. But as long as you can not the things that derail you, it's how you respond to them and how you're able to get yourself back on track. Right. And I think that's the important thing. It's like the why and the priorities are the things that are going to keep driving you towards that end goal. So I think the biggest thing is just, again, just being patient with yourself and knowing that like, okay, I get to do this for me and my family. This is something that I get to create for myself because I'm deserving of it because, you know, I can create the life that I want to live by just this one sliver or aspect of my life in terms of, you know, controlling my finances and being more intimate with my finances. Yeah, I love that. It's such a great way to end. You are deserving of this. It's one of the things we can do that 
fall under self-care, making sure that your finances are in order and having that confidence and that security that your finances are taken care of is absolutely self-care. And and you do deserve that. Absolutely. And this conversation has been super enlightening. So tell us, if we wanted to work with you and we wanted to tap into your knowledge again, how can we best do that? Yes. So I am on Instagram, financial matters underscore. I also have my website, financialmattersllc.com. There is a bunch of free resources on my website, whether that's budget templates, debt management templates, all free. You can download them and use them at your leisure. I've also published a wealth workbook that could be found on Amazon. And if you're interested in coaching, you can, like I said, reach out to me via my website, you know, book a free discovery call. Let's talk about, you know, what your goals are and happy to just, you know, help you come up with a plan for your finances. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much. A lot of great knowledge here. We really appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me, Kathy. 